welcome to Talking Property with CBRE, a podcast in which our team of experts share their insights in the real estate industry. My name is Mark Curtin, Head of Office Leasing for CBRE's Pacific Business, and I'm your host for today's episode. Over the next little bit, we'll be talking about the rise of the sublease market as the full impacts of COVID sweep across the Australian office market. I'm joined today by Chris Fisher, Director of our Sydney CBD office leasing business, and also Ashley Buller, who heads our Victorian leasing business. Thanks for joining me, Ash and Chris. Firstly, Chris, I'd like to start with you and just ask you to give us an insight as to how the Sydney CBD office market is faring during the COVID crisis, and particularly where the sublease market is trending to since the the crisis began. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Looking at the market in Sydney, we did drop off significantly in April uh, when the full effects of COVID came in. And then from May and June and July, we started getting uh, a lot more positive energy, smaller inquiries, that sub 500 metre market was revving up. And then some of the larger inquiries have started looking in the market. I guess, unfortunately, in the past two weeks with Victoria and uh, certain parts of Sydney having the COVID outbreaks, it has put a bit of a dampener on enthusiasm and uh, we have felt that in the market. In terms of sublease space, what we're seeing is almost at all-time highs at the moment. Figures came in at 101,000 square metres. And to put that in context, the average sublease uh, space is about 55,000 square metres. The height of the GFC, it was around about 90,000 square metres. So we are um, quite high. The top level ever measured by PCA is 119,000. So that's sort of where we're sitting at the moment. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. And from all reports, the market that has been hit the hardest has uh, certainly been Sydney with the in excess of 100,000 square metres that you've alluded to. Chris, I know in, in Brisbane, the CBD uh, has hit about 30,000 square metres of, uh, of active sublease space that's available. And a lot, of, a lot of what's being talked about in Brisbane is the anticipated sublease market that will emerge post the expiry of things like JobKeeper. Ash, turning to you in Melbourne, what are you seeing on the ground down there and, and what's your anticipated outlook for the conditions over the course of the next six months? Yeah, so it's really interesting. So similar to Sydney, like obviously we've gone through, we started tracking this very closely on a week-to-week basis as of about the 20th of March when our first lockdown came in. We're now into the second lockdown here in Melbourne, which is not a great thing to say, but it's just a reality of things. And we're, we're also somewhat worried about falling into stage four as well. So there's a lot of chat around that. You guys are probably aware that we're about to start with mandated masks. So everybody's now wearing a mask pretty much every time they, they leave their house. And, and certainly look, there's no doubt that that's kind of put a bit of a dampener on the market. After the first lockdown, we started to see some really good resurgence in inquiry. And across our team, we would have seen as a month or so after the first lockdown, we probably got up to about 30 to 40 inspections. So we're getting back to a pretty healthy inspection rate. Now that we're in the second lockdown, it's certainly fallen away quite dramatically. And we're back to doing things like, as an example, one of our guys is out today doing an inspection via um, FaceTime. So we're actually physically walking around the space. It was actually interactive, but showing the camera around. If you look at the amount of space we've got here, so we've currently got about 72,000 square metres of space, but there's another one that's just come online, so it's close to about 74,000 square metres of space. 
And that's, that's a fair increase. So if we measure that from the start of the year, we had around 20,000 square metres that we'd measure at the start of the year. We're now up to about 74. Where do we see it going over the next six months? Look, there's quite a lot of hidden vacancy, we think, or, or groups that are certainly considering their long-term goals and where they want to be as businesses and the future of work, if you want to call it that. And we certainly foresee there'll be quite a bit of space potentially coming on the market this year, probably fourth quarter. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to look at the state of the markets pre-COVID and, and both Sydney and Melbourne were extremely strong, particularly from a vacancy perspective with 3 to 4% vacancy across those two markets. And then you look at a, a market like Brisbane, which was 12.9% and arguably the success of Sydney and Melbourne over the last two to three years is actually what's put the pressure back on those markets from a sublease perspective and they expanded so aggressively that obviously tenants are unwinding those positions to respond to the current market conditions where a market like Brisbane and and even Perth to some degree, a lot of tenants had been right-sizing in those markets over that same period and there wasn't the expansion reactivity. So I think it, it certainly makes sense what we're seeing on the ground. I think the other really interesting factor is the the industry groups and the the tenant cohorts that are being impacted by the coronavirus and clearly areas like education, tourism, highly exposed um, and areas of the professional services industry. Chris, in Sydney, are you seeing any particular cohorts or groups of tenants that are being impacted more significantly than others? What's the -the on-the-ground feedback Interestingly enough, some of those industry groups you just mentioned are not high occupiers of office space in the Sydney CBD. So education, tourism, entertainment, they're not big occupiers of space. What we are seeing on subleases pretty much reflects the occupancy in the CBD. So your um, banking and finance and insurance services, your professional services and your information technology and telecommunications in that order they dominate the sublease space which is pretty much how they occupy the cbd so there's no real surprises there one of the interesting things of the sublease space in sydney is prior to covid we came into that at a quite a high sublease number Uh, it was definitely in the seventy thousands already and that was largely as a result of relocation so a number of tenants had made the decision to relocate to a new development or relocate to a uh, major backfill space and put their space on the market, whether the developer carried that, the new lessor carried that, or the tenant carried that. So we had a high base to start with. The overall market vacancy at the start of COVID was about 3.9%, which is quite low, you know, almost historic lows. But there was this sublease vacancy piece in the background increasing. What we've seen, though, since COVID The main reason for the sublease space has moved from relocation to uh, cost reduction or contraction. Ash, I know the Melbourne CBD market has quite a high exposure to the education sector with a number of the large universities leasing space, particularly in that sort of B-grade market. Are you seeing any insights or, or any anecdotal evidence of those groups subleasing and and also more broadly, is there any groups that particularly stand out as being challenged by the the current circumstances? So I was actually just going to add from a Melbourne point of view, and it's not dissimilar to Chris from Sydney, 
what we're seeing this circa 72 to 74,000 square metres of space on the market, only a small percentage of actually relates specifically to COVID. We see later this year, that's when we're going to see the, the full effects. But when you look at specifically the segment, so um, finance and insurance is probably our biggest sector here in Melbourne from a sublease vacancy point of view. We're looking at that at about 35,000 square metres. Then you've got next sector down would be about 12,000 square metres in professional and science technology. And then it really kind of gets quite small from there. To talk to your question earlier, though, Mark, in relation to education and training, there's actually only a small amount of space currently on the market for sublease, but yet Victoria is quite heavily influenced by that education and training area. What we have seen most recently, we've seen a number of these groups that own buildings actually put them on the market. So as an example, CBRE, where uh, we've just started marketing RMIT's building there on, on Burke Street. Victoria Uni has also put their building back on the market and there's a couple of other buildings like that. So there's examples of education users putting buildings back onto the market but not actually officially putting sublease space onto the market. I think the challenge you're going to have in that space as well is that education providers are obviously very particular about who they'd allow to come into those space. So as an example, they'd be reluctant to allow their competitors to come in. Now the challenge is if you don't have a, a similar education provider going to an education space, what other user groups will take that space? So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see the way that that area evolves. And then equally, another sector I think is quite interesting is the IT area here in Melbourne. You know, we've we've seen all of the public statements around groups like Twitter and Facebook and those kind of groups showing versatility around how they occupy space. And a lot of those groups are actually happy to, to continue working from home. Yet in Melbourne, we still haven't seen a big influx of this space coming to the market. So I think those two sectors will be really interesting to look at later this year. We talked earlier about the potential for the ceasing of JobKeeper to potentially impact the office market, and I see in that the government has actually extended the regime out to past January 2021, so undoubtedly that, that will have some bearing on, on the emergence of sublease space and, and sort of how quickly it hits the market, so that's certainly something that we need to consider as we go forward to shape our, our predictions for the year ahead. One point I was keen to get your respective views on, particularly around sublease space and obviously the fact that there's an existing fit-out in place is one of the attractions for, for most businesses. One is the, the cost impost being removed and also the fact that the time associated with procuring a fit-out can be anywhere up to six to 12 months, depending upon how how big the fit-out is. But my question is, are those fit-outs still relevant, Chris, in the Sydney market when you're looking at factoring in things like social distancing and, and supporting a healthy working environment? Are people going to be able to use that space as effectively as what they could pre-COVID? I think the, the interesting part about the fit-out as we see it at the moment is most organisations don't quite know what their office of the future looks like at the moment. Um, they're still grappling with the idea of the social distancing. Um, at the moment, obviously, a number of firms have existing fit-outs. So they're choosing to occupy every second seat as opposed to reconfiguring and making a major change. What we are seeing with a number of tenant inquiries in the market, they want good quality fitted space. And a lot of tenants are now seeking a deal. And uh, they see that there's a lot of sublease space out in the market, which is fitted out. And they see that there's a slowdown in the economy due to COVID. So a number of tenants we're talking to are saying, ideally something that's fitted, 
and show us what the deal is. So very sort of opportunistic tenants trying to take advantage of the current market climate in relation to whether they will just totally discount a fit out because um, of the spacing at the moment. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen the tenants balk at space by measuring the workstations and, and deciding they're, they're too close together. Ash, from a Melbourne perspective, there's an enormous amount of supply being delivered over the next 12 months as some of the new developments complete. There's obviously a lot of backfill space that tenants are leaving quality fit-outs moving into the new developments. Is that space being marketed on a fitted basis and therefore is, is in direct competition to the sublease space or are owners taking the opportunity to upgrade buildings, strip out the fit-out, return the, the space to a clean shell you know, for handover for a, a new fit-out? How's that playing out in Melbourne? Yeah, it's, it's actually quite varied. Probably more recently, we've had a lot of owners talk about retaining existing fit-outs. And we certainly recommend during this time that that makes a lot of sense, especially if it's a good usable fit-out. The challenge is as well that I suppose a lot of those groups that have gone to new buildings have probably left a pretty old existing fit-out. So the question is how attractive is it going to be to the market? And as right now, no one's really back in the CBD. It's been hard to really measure, I suppose, the interest in, in those existing fit-outs. I think one of the other interesting things that's taking place right now, though, is that we've, we're seeing owners who've done spec fit-outs with some of the smaller suites offering those to market at on shorter-term lease arrangements. So certainly, I feel like the spec suites are competing against the sublease market. I think the other thing to mention around the sublease market is, you know, if you look at the longer-dated leases in place, there's really kind of one main one that's coming to market for about 10,000 square metres. And that will act like an owner in the market, but is kind of focused more on the government end. So it will probably hopefully be taken up by a government-based user. But yeah, it's certainly an interesting interesting time to see the way it's all evolving. I don't think any owner has the perfect answer to that question right now. It's all still quite fluid. Chris, undoubtedly, in every challenge, there's an opportunity. And I can't help but think that there's positives in this situation for landlords and tenants to collaborate on this issue. Is there any positive for landlords that you can identify through this subleasing opportunity that has arisen in the marketplace? Yeah, I think more than ever, we're seeing landlords uh, embracing their tenant and the sublessor, if you like, to help them out. And um, the majority of sublease space that we're looking at we are in regular contact with the landlord and, and uh, they are promoting a longer-term lease if uh, a new tenant wants to do that. So for the landlord, the positive will be you've got a tenant in situ with a pending expiry at some point, but they're being introduced new tenants by the sublessor who would look to take a longer-term lease. Uh, so for the landlord, you know, they're increasing their expiry profile. They're also limiting downtime at the end of that lease because the new tenant's coming in under the... Uh, sub-lessor's uh, lease tenure. So there's there's a few positives there and we're seeing a, you know, a lot of collaboration between landlords and their tenants to help out with the sublease stock. Ash, I know in Melbourne you've talked about landlords handing back space in exchange for an extension of term. Again, is that I guess that I see as, as an outcome that's, that's a positive for landlords. Uh, are you seeing that trend continue? We certainly are. We haven't actually, uh, we haven't got any deal evidence to it yet, but there's certainly a number of negotiations underway right now. 
So that's certainly one of the really big positives that can come from this from a landlord point of view in Melbourne. I know we've talked uh, a lot about this morning and I guess a significant part of, of all of this really relates back to the, the overarching discussion that is taking place in the office market around, you know, what is the workplace model for the future and and that really being how many days a week do people work from home or do they completely work remotely? You know, there's a lot of extreme views out there at the moment. I know at CBRE, we're all migrating back to the office with the exception of Victoria, which obviously needs to take a slightly different tact at the moment. But Chris, what's your on-the-ground feedback as to what the marketplace is saying? How are you seeing things going forward and where do you think we'll be in 12 months' time? What's come out of COVID is that flexible nature of working. Most organisations, well, pretty much all organisations have had staff at home or working remotely and it seemed to be working. So the natural question is, how do we do that going forward for most businesses? And uh, what we are seeing is that the thought process is that a component of staff or staff will be offered that ability to work, you know, one day a week at home um, if that suits their scheduling. Um, or two days, and, and each company will be a bit different. But um, what we have found, though, is, is coming back into the office, how positive it is, and, and the positives of coming into the office, that collaboration, that instantaneous information, the social aspect, you know, we're all social beings, and, and it's just really refreshing to come into the office and meet up with your staff members. And, and I think also um, when we talk about the productivity the productivity of just being able to lean over your shoulder and ask a question to someone or someone in a different division that you bump into in the, in the hallway, it's huge because that contact might have taken a day, a week to organise and, uh, you know, you get it on the run. So I think the benefits of being in the office from our perspective are massive and, and uh, we love being back. In the Sydney CBD, we certainly saw a lot of positivity coming back into the market and a lot of larger tenants poke their nose out and start that activity level. Unfortunately, we have had the um, the Victorian and, and cases in New South Wales put a bit of dampener on that. In the next six months, what we will see, and, and six to 12 months, are incentive levels increasing in the Sydney CBD, where we're predicting that sort of 25 to 30% band in incentives you know, to attract tenants, and, and tenants are now seeking, you know, with counter-proposals, uh, much larger numbers than that. As long as we can keep the um, pandemic, I guess, in check, we are seeing a lot of firms uh, come back out and, um, you know, for their requirements because they, they do want a home and they do want a home of the future and they will need office space. So we will see that, um, that activity increase as long as we keep the, um, the virus in check. Ash, I know you're a parochial Victorian and you said to me that you thought the office market would have an enormous bounce in Victoria when people could return to the office. Are you still forecasting that's going to be the case? And, and what are your some of your views as to what the next 12 months holds? 
Yeah, so look, there's no doubt I'm, I'm somewhat biased. Um, I think we all are, given the space we work in. Look, we recently had um, uh, Perth colleagues on the line to give a little bit of a uh, motivation speech to our team here in Melbourne because personally on the other side of it, you know, we're going back into, well, we're back in stage three and potentially four, right? And it's really encouraging to see that in Perth, the market's flying again. So, you know, the, the discussion was there's lots of kind of 1,000 or 2,000 square metre deals going on there. So certainly we hope that that's the case here in Melbourne. It's probably just a little bit hard to see. And certainly if you looked at the first the first lockdown and then kind of took a little while to warm back up again and all of a sudden the market kind of bounced back, we're certainly very hopeful that's going to happen here as well. So what do we see for the next six to 12 months? Uh, look, there's no doubt that uh, Victorians are pretty frustrated. We're two weeks into our new uh, six-week lockdown and this is our second lockdown so that's very frustrating and and look from an inquiry point of view um it's certainly had a dampening on on both inquiry and inspection levels there's still inspections taking place less in the cbd and, and certainly a lot more in that in that metro market from an inquiry point of view certainly government's still active during this time and and look there's deals going on as well so we've got deals taking place in both the cbd and the metro market the volume's down, certainly on what uh, they were pre-COVID, but there's still going to be transactions that complete during this time. You then look at rents and incentives. So to start off with, it's probably important to talk to the total vacancy. We've seen certainly a, a big increase in vacancy within the Melbourne CBD. Um, so if you look at 2019, it was about a 3.2% vacancy. This year, we're predicting 6.3%. And then for next year, it um, increases up to 10%. So that amount of space was always going to have an impact on incentives and, and likely rents. Then add in the effect of COVID, and we certainly think that owners will do everything they can to protect face rents, and therefore incentives will certainly be the lever that will be pulled to kind of get deals done during this time. The big question is going to be demand, and, and look, that's the million-dollar question. Um, certainly when you look at some of the other states, there seems to be some good deal volume coming through with those groups that are that are through their lockdown period. So we're, we're certainly very hopeful that that takes place here in Victoria and, and we can start to reduce the amount of space on the market and that we get back to favourable trading conditions again. Well, thank you, Chris, and thank you, Ash, and thank you for listening to Talking Property with CBRE. If you like the show and want to check out more, please visit cbre.com.au forward slash Talking Property or subscribe through Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Until next time.